You're listening to the Ali at UNT podcast, produced by the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas. Learn something new in every episode as we interview UNT faculty, subject matter experts, and lifelong learners in our community. To learn more about our non-credit courses and events, please visit our website, olli.unt.edu, or send us an email at olli at unt.edu. Now let's join our host, Ollie at UNT member, Susan Supak. This is Susan Supak speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas, known to most of us as Ollie. I am thrilled to welcome back Dr. Andrew Torget to the hey. podcast. Dr. Torget and I spoke way back in episode six, following the release of his remarkable book, Seeds of Empire, which I might add has won 12 book prizes and awards and was hailed by Texas Monthly as the most nuanced and authoritative rewriting of Texas's origin myth to date. Dr. Torget is an associate professor in the history department at the University of North Texas, where he holds the University Distinguished Teaching Professorship. An award-winning speaker, he has been featured at Harvard, Stanford, Rice, Duke, Johns Hopkins, and the Library of Congress. Pretty impressive, as well as being the author and editor of five books. In 2018, Dr. Torget set a Guinness World Record for the world's longest history lesson by lecturing on Texas history for 26 and a half hours straight, which was seen online by more than 30 million people. In 2020, he was awarded the Mary John and J.P. Bryan Leadership in Education Award from the Texas State Historical Association. In 2021, the Dallas Morning News named him a finalist for their Texan of the Year Award for the uncommon, inspirational impact of his work. And I happen to know by speaking to people who have had firsthand experience, he is such a popular teacher that he is one of those professors whose classes fill up in the blink of an eye. Welcome back, (laughs) Dr. Torget. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's awesome to have you here. You and Ollie have teamed up to offer a fantastic opportunity for a -a one-of-a-kind road trip called Revolutionary Road, Tracing the Landscape of the Texas Revolution. What was the motivation for this trip? A lot of things. Uh, Obsessiveness, I guess, with this history since I was a kid. I mean, you know, going way back, I've always been fascinated by the Texas Revolution. When I was really little, going to the Alamo was this highlight thing for me because I could run around and imagine the battles. And it kind of, it really is one of the things that got me interested in history in the first place. But since then, I've, I think there's a, a power to being in historical places when you're trying to understand certain aspects of history. When I was in graduate school at the University of Virginia, one of my professors is a guy named Gary Gallagher. And he was an amazing professor in the classroom. But one of the things he did that always stuck with me is that he would lead these battlefield tours of nearby Civil War sites. And so we would go meet him on a Sunday morning at Antietam or wherever he was taking a tour. And it was mesmerizing to be there with him, but there was a power of his ability to explain why you had to be in this spot to understand a charge coming over a hill and what they couldn't see. And that's something that's so hard to explain to students 
when you're lecturing with PowerPoint in a very cozy classroom about struggles or the experiences of people running away from a battle and what that was like in real life. And so the idea of this is to, is to take the Ollie members, who I love getting the chance to talk to and teach, and then take them literally into that history, right? To walk around these places of the Texas Revolution so that you're immersed in that history in a way that you just can't get sitting in a chair in a classroom. And it gives, I think, not just a, a fun appreciation for it, but a deeper, more meaningful appreciation for it. It's incredible you gave that example in particular because I went with the Army historian to the Antietam battlefield and he read after action reports, reports written after the different skirmishes, and it was so incredible. It was history like I've never experienced oh, it. Yeah. And it, it changes how you interpret things. Another good example is when I was in, in college, I got a chance, I was an archaeology major when I started college. And I went over to southern Israel one summer to do some excavation work. And the professor I was there working with took us around on weekends to see sites in Israel, including Jerusalem. And he explained when we got to Jerusalem that he had to rewrite all of his lectures after he first visited Jerusalem because it was the hills around Jerusalem that made a difference in different contexts of the history he was telling. And I feel like that's something that I got to appreciate on these Civil War battlefields in Virginia. And here in Texas, when I, I go visit these places myself or I'll bring my kids with me, there's a power to engaging people as well. Yes. And it opens up this opportunity, to, as you said, to be engaged in a way that you weren't thinking about it before. The way I always think about this is it, it makes something that sounds familiar to you unfamiliar in a new way. And it makes it kind of opens you up to understanding the history, I think, in a like you're hearing it for the first time. Like we go to the Alamo and you're suddenly walking around the larger battlefield as opposed to just the, the same story you've heard a hundred different times. It opens up a new window, I think, into, into how you're going to experience this. Exactly. I mean, full disclosure, I'm already signed up to go on the trip because <laughs> I am not going to miss this experience. And I have to say, so many people have gone to the Alamo. It's a big tourist attraction. You're going to go visit the Riverwalk in San Antonio. You're going to go see the Alamo. Yeah. But... They haven't seen the Alamo the way they're going to see the Alamo on this trip with you, explaining yeah. what it was really like and what happened. Well, and that the Alamo footprint was so much bigger than what you see today, the, the chapel. I mean, everybody who goes to San Antonio, if you go see the Alamo, you're usually pretty disappointed by what yeah. you see. Because everyone's reaction is, that's it? Yeah. But what remains today is just one tiny little piece of the big Alamo complex. It was actually a quarter mile perimeter around the entire Fort Alamo, if you want to call it that. And most of that happens actually in front of the chapel that you see today. So we're going to walk those grounds, those bigger grounds of the entire battle, and walk through the actual fight itself, where it happened, the fallback positions of the Alamo defenders, the desperate final fighting that happened at the long barracks and in front of the chapel, and really talk through, walk through that experience on the ground, and then go into the chapel, which is where most people start today. Can you give us an idea of the itinerary of the trip? Yeah, it's going to be five days total. The first day, we're going to load up the buses here at the Ollie offices around lunchtime or so, and we're going to drive down to San Antonio. And we're going to be in these really nice buses that it has a restroom on board. It's got Wi-Fi, yeah. I think. But it's got a great sound system and some video screens that I'm going to use while we're on the road to give people context of what we're talking about and going through. So we're going to set up the history leading to the Texas Revolution as we go to San Antonio. We'll get there. 
And then we'll have dinner there. We're staying in the Embassy Suites on the Riverwalk. It's a really beautiful place that's right in the middle of historic downtown San Antonio. And it's really going to be right in the middle of some of the history that we're going to be walking through. So it's, nice. it's the best location we could have asked for. And the next day, Monday, is going to be the first full day of the tour. And we're going to go down south of San Antonio, just a little ways, to where there's uh, all these missions that nobody ever goes and visits. The Alamo is the most famous mission from the Spanish era, but there's actually four more that's south of town. And they give a much better sense of the breadth of, of what these mission complexes really were. And so we're going to go to the biggest, best preserved one, Mission San Jose. And we're going to tour that to talk about what life was like before the Texas Revolution, what it was like for Comanches and Apaches, for the Spaniards who lived there, the Mexicans who followed, and then the Anglo-Americans who move in and, and set up the road to the Texas Revolution. Then we're going to go to Seguin, Texas and have lunch and in a really beautiful historic place. And then we're going to get on the bus and go to Gonzales, Texas, which is just a little east of San Antonio. And that's where the Texas Revolution officially begins, right? That's the famous come and take it experience that you see on everybody's bumpers now, the come and take it cannon. But no one ever goes to Gonzales, and nobody gets to see where this actually happened. So we're going to unpack the mythology and see the river where this confrontation happened. We're going to go to a lot of these locations where the, the cannon was involved. We're actually going to see the cannon, which is in the Gonzales Memorial Museum there, and get to experience all of that. And then we'll come back to San Antonio. The, the next day, we're going to go and spend most of our time in San Antonio because after Gonzales, the, the war really comes to San Antonio because that's where Santa Ana's troops were stationed. And so all these Anglo-Texans and some Tejanos, the Mexicans who lived in Texas, gathered around San Antonio to throw them out. And so we're going to spend that day exploring that. There's a battle to control San Antonio called the Battle of Bejar that comes through the streets of San Antonio as the Texans come in to try to throw out San Ana's troops. And that battle actually goes right past the street right in front of our hotel. So we're going to step out of the hotel and walk into this, this incredible battle. And we're going to end up at one of the main historic squares in San Antonio and, and have lunch there and see this beautiful cathedral, one of the most historic buildings in San Antonio, the San Fernando Church. And then we're going to talk about the road to the, to the Battle of the Alamo. And so that afternoon, we're going to go to the Alamo Complex, walk the full battlefield like we were talking about, see in depth the real fighting that happened, and, and explore the complex itself. We have some special time tickets that are going to get, take us into the Alamo Chapel. And then the day after that, we're going to, which would be Wednesday, we're going to get on the bus and we're going to follow the revolution out of San Antonio. Because after the fall of the Alamo, the, the battle started shifting, the battles started shifting eastward from there. And we're going to go south to the town of Goliad, where there was a guy named James Fannin there with 400 Texans who were captured by San Andreas troops and then executed in what became known as the Goliad Massacre. So we're going to see where all of that happened, talk through all of that. We're going to have a beautiful barbecue lunch out at one of the battlefields. And then from there, we're going to go east along the what's called the Runaway Scrape, where Texans who were terrified after the fall of the Alamo and the massacre of Goliad are trying to escape east from Santa Ana's armies, and they're running as fast as they can. I, I like to call it the Grand Skedaddle, but it's, it's <laughs> all these folks running east to try to get away from getting killed. And we're going to follow that trail up to San Felipe de Austin, which was the capital of Stephen F. Austin's colony, and they've actually rebuilt it. It was burned during the Texas Revolution, but it's since been rebuilt by the Texas Historical Commission. And so we're going to get to go there and tour that site. It's a beautiful place. And they built a world-class museum there that just opened a couple years ago. 
where we're going to have a nice catered dinner and talk about all of these things. And then we're going to stay in a hotel that evening in Katy, Texas and another embassy suites. And then the final day of the tour, we're going to go to San Jacinto, where the Texas Revolution ended. And we're going to follow the trail of Sam Houston's army as it's making its way east and where they finally confront Santa Ana's army at the confluence of the San Jacinto River and the Buffalo Bayou, which we know today is the San Jacinto battlefield. And at the time, it was Peggy McCormick's farm. <laughs> and, and we'll talk about the improbable victory that happens there. I mean, the Texans were outgunned and outdisciplined, and they win this almost impossible victory in part because they were so undisciplined. And we'll get to talk about that by visiting the campsites of both armies. And then at the end, we get to tour this amazing museum that is at the, the San Jacinto Monument as we wrap this all up. And then we'll cut on our beautiful cushy bus and then make our way back to, to Denton, Texas. Sounds like an exciting trip. The Runaway Scrape, when you mentioned that, it sounds like it's just such a unique opportunity to learn about the non-combatants, the women and the children that were involved in this time period. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's one of the things that I wanted to highlight in this tour is that we're going to talk about the battles, we're going to talk about the soldiers, and that's usually all we talk about. And what I want to talk more about in this trip as well is, is the lives of everyday Texans. And so during the runaway scrape, um, that burden really did fall on the women of Texas and the children of Texas as well, who were often left to their own devices as they're trying to retreat as their men are joining Sam Houston's army or may have been killed at Goliad or the Alamo. And so trying to understand the, how this war was bigger than just these couple of battles, it really it impacted the entire region and, and really brought chaos to everybody's lives. I mean, everybody's town and many farms are being burned as both armies are making their way east, leaving a devastated landscape in its wake. We tend to forget about a lot of that. And so this tour gives us an opportunity to see that and understand that in a deep way, and especially getting to visit San Felipe de Austin, where they have a lot of artifacts on display that really tell this story in a beautiful way. That's a great value of a trip like this, being actually there. Is It's it's almost an emotional thing. You can really feel it. You can sense it. You can imagine being there when all of these things happen. They're not just words in a book. Exactly. And that's one of the hardest things in history to get across is the emotional experience of these periods. Because I'll tell my students things like there were 300 people that were killed at this battle. And that's just a number. It's right? like Star Wars. Absolutely. Oh, okay, the planet's Absolutely. gone. It just blew up, <laughs> right? But like every one of those people like, you know, has a whole family around them, obviously, whose lives are affected. But it's also the experience of being on a battlefield when you have, at the case of San Jacinto, 630 of San Andres' army killed and dead on the field, right? We actually have diary entries from people who came through San Jacinto at that time. There was an 11-year-old girl named Delu Rose who, she has her 11th birthday on the battlefield at San Jacinto. And she writes in her diary what a gruesome sight this was. And she had to abandon her home, and it, part of her farm was burned, right? Her sister had died during mm. the runaway scrape because she'd gotten a fever and gotten sick, and they had to bury her outside of Liberty, Texas. And so the emotional tenor of what all these experiences were like is it's hard to express when I'm giving a lecture in a classroom. But when you're, when you're literally on the landscape and you have a sense of what it must have been like to walk this barefoot, even as we're flying by on a bus, this long journey east, it gives you, again, another window into what that might have been like. In a way, it's just so hard to imagine otherwise. And another talent that I know you have, especially after reading your book, Seeds of Empire, is to give 
a real understanding of the main characters that were part of this event. And I know that's going to be part of it too, right? Yeah, so it's easy, and I think I've heard a lot of people do it, to make some cartoon characters out of people like Sam Houston, uh, but especially Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. Um, my joke is always if this is a melodrama, when Santa Ana shows up, everyone's going to boo and hiss and all that. But these are all human beings, right? And what makes it, I think, far more interesting is to see them as fully human, which is to say they're not all good or all bad. They're not all heroes or villains. They're people who are making decisions based on what they think is a good idea or a bad idea. We don't have to agree with them. But one of the things I like to unpack is, like, why did Santa Ana do what he did? I mean, he's easy to make the boogeyman for killing everybody at the Alamo and at Goliath. And those are terrible things. Right? We have to back off of that. But he had a strategy. Right. His, his whole entire goal was to end this revolt in Texas. And he thought the fastest way to do that would be to basically kill everybody he gets his hands on because that'll send a message to everybody else that you better quit or leave or both. And, and we're going to kind of talk through a lot of those ideas, not just with Santa Ana, but Sam Houston, with the people who are in his army, with the women who were left to deal with the home front while these battles are going on, and, and really try to understand everybody's different perspective as they're experiencing this cataclysmic event that envelops the region. So why is it important for people to know what happened in the Texas Revolution? And why is it important for the history of our country? That's a great question. The Texas Revolution, when I took fourth and seventh grade Texas history, was taught as this is really neat because it's about Texas. And it seemed to like end, begin and end at the borders of the state of Texas, which even in fourth grade, I thought that was kind of boring. Um, <laughs> but it, what I've since learned about the revolution is that it's fascinating for all kinds of reasons because you have a lot of Americans who come from the United States to be a part of the Texas armies. In fact, a significant portion of the people in the Alamo and at San Jacinto are actually recent arrivals from the United States. So you have this overlap between that. The revolution itself is its actually a part of a bigger civil war in Mexico. You really can't understand the Texas Revolution unless you recognize that it comes out of this massive war that's over all of Mexico between these two different sides about how Mexico should be governed. Texas is just a small part of all that. But the reason I think it's most important to understand these stories is because you really can't understand the way the modern maps of North America look unless you understand the Texas Revolution. Because when the Battle of San Jacinto happens and Texas wins its independence, that sets Texas on this course to ultimately joining the United States, which starts a war with Mexico from 1846 to 48, where the United States defeats Mexico and takes the modern American Southwest. All the land from Texas to California comes in as a result of that, and it draws the modern boundaries between the United States and Mexico. And so if you really want to understand the maps of North America, you have to come back to this war and these unlikely events that end up with the Texans winning somehow at San Jacinto. It's like this drop in the pond and these ripples go every which direction outward from there. And the effects are massive. I mean, really, you could take it all the way up to the American Civil War and the end of slavery because all that new territory that's brought in the United States is what people are fighting over in the 1850s and early 1860s that leads the United States to its, its big cataclysm in the 1860s. Sounds like an incredibly interesting opportunity. I have to say, being a transplant from New York, I think I'm legally required to attend this trip so that I can truly be accepted into my new state of 
Texas, the awesome (laughs) 28th state in the union. But I have to also say for those native Texans out there who've learned all of this history in grade school and have made their little tourist runs, this is going to be a real learning experience. It'll have a little something for everybody. And that's what I'm also thinking a lot about. So the first day of class, I always tell my students that I wasn't born in Texas because For some people, that actually makes a difference. But when I teach the Texas class, what I find is that I have a large number of natives in the class, and they're super excited about Texas history because they took fourth and seventh grade and all that. But I also have a lot of people from outside the state who are from, you know, New York, Michigan, California, wherever, equally fascinated, mostly because they don't know why Texans are so obsessed with themselves and kind of want to know what that history is all about. And I find that in the class, the people who don't already have that history in their head, or at least they think they do, do pretty well. People from outside the state tend to usually make the best grades because they're not trying to work their way through some mythology they already have in there. But for the folks who did grow up in the state and really have an idea of that history, what I like about it is that we we get to walk into all of this again on the ground and it, it makes the familiar unfamiliar again because you're being presented in a new way with a deeper sense of it, with all the documents that I'm gonna be able to bring in, all the images we're gonna be able to bring in. And the fact is, we've learned so much more about the Texas Revolution in the last couple of decades because of the digitization of historical resources. We have so much more material now available to historians because we can now do searches across databases of millions of pages of historical newspapers. And so the result of that is that we've got a much more granular and focused view of these events, even those as familiar as the Alamo, than we've ever had in the past. Right. When I read Seeds of Empire, I read a totally different view of the making of the state of Texas than I had ever been exposed to. It was really an eye-opening experience, as this will be, too. Thank you. Yeah, it was It was fun to write the book. It was fun to do the research. And I think in doing all of this, I've come to appreciate that there's so much more there than most people realize. And yeah. so being able to bring that out is one of the most joyful things I get to do as a historian. Well, I'm glad it is. I'm glad you're doing what you do, and I'm glad we can benefit from it. Thank you so much for being here and telling us all about it. And I truly, truly highly recommend that the listeners go to Episode 6 of the Ollie at UNT Podcast and listen to more about Dr. Torgett's writing of the acclaimed book, Seeds of Empire, and also his experience with setting the Guinness World Record, which Mm -hmm. is a fun story. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your time, I really appreciate it. And now for some logistics of our Texas Revolutionary Road Trip, here is Jordan Williams, the Senior Communications Specialist at OLLI at UNT. Hello, Jordan. Hey, Susan. Glad to be with you. Jordan is also the beautiful voice at the beginning of the podcast. By the way, I'm sure most of you already know that or you can hear that. So excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. Excited to talk about this incredible trip. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I guess the first thing we should talk about is what many people are wondering is the price and what that includes. Absolutely. My colleagues in the department here, Dr. Stephanie Ranke, who's the director of OLLI, and Leanne White, who is our OLLI coordinator and a talented event planner, they put together a great trip with very low cost, we think. Uh, So the total price per traveler is just going to be $1,560. That includes basically everything that you're going to need on the trip. It's going to include accommodations for four nights 
in two different embassy suites, hotels. We're going to spend three nights in San Antonio and one night in Houston, both at embassy suites hotels. So accommodation is included. It's also going to include all of your meals. So from the time you get on the bus to the time we return back to Denton, we're going to have breakfasts, lunches, and dinners included. We're going to have a lot of different catered meals and some box lunches along the way. That's all included in the price. You're also going to get a really unique thing that we are really excited to bring, which is a tour guide headset system. So what that means is uh, Dr. Torgett, while he's out on site visits or even on the bus, if you like, will wear a headset with a microphone that is broadcasting out a signal to many different sets of headphones that we will distribute out to the travelers. And so while we're out at the Alamo and at the different sites, even if you're at the back of the line or, or you know, how things go with uh, you know, on-site trips, you'll be hearing Dr. Torgett's lectures and his, his commentary on what you're seeing directly into your headphones. And we've tested it out. We got a tester set actually here in the office this week, and people have been having a lot of fun going out the building and down the street, and, and everybody said that you can still hear perfectly clearly. So that's going to be a really great addition. You don't have to worry about missing a word while you're maybe taking a couple of steps off the beaten path to, to check something out. And uh, it's also compatible with people who may have hearing aids. The headsets fit over the ears. It's not in the ear. So that also shouldn't be a problem. That's a great feature. We don't have to all worry about crowding around the guide to be able to hear. Absolutely. And another thing that's going to be included is a custom t-shirt. We're actually still in the middle of designing it, but it's going to reflect the uniqueness of this trip. It probably will have like our trip dates and things like that on there. So for all the participants, if you fill out your reservation form, we'll ask you for your t-shirt size. Once we get those printed, we'll get those out to everyone. And one other additional thing, if that's not enough, that this trip will include is a custom tour booklet that Dr. Torgit is going to put together all of the information for. He's described this to us. I think it's going to include maps, little biographies of important historical figures, uh, Dr. Torgit's own sort of commentary on what we'll be seeing. It's really going to be, sounds like, pretty ex extensive and a keepsake that you're going to be able to keep with you. You also won't have to worry about taking notes for all the detailed information that he's going to be able to share because it will be in your booklet, but there will actually also be some pages at the back if you want to take some of your own notes as well. So all of those things are included in your price of $1,560 per member. That's incredible. And we don't have to pay any entrance fees or anything when we go? That's correct. At all the sites, the historic sites that we're going to be entering have all been paid for. So that is also included in the trip. Uh, we're really fortunate to be partnering with Dr. Torgett, who knows a lot of the, the right people uh, to get us into some of these sites as a group. And so all of those fees are also already taken care of. I also like the fact that the meals are included. So we don't yes. have to worry about where we're going to go, where we're going to eat, how we're going to fit that in. That's great. Absolutely. And Leanne and Dr. Torgan have scoped out some great restaurants. Some of the meals will be catered at the hotel. And also we're going to get everybody's dietary restrictions or allergies or anything that you might have on your reservation form. So we're going to be prepared if you need a special meal. We'll, we'll take care of that in advance. So everything should be as easy and, and worry-free as possible. I know this trip has been very, very well received because it's unique and it's such an amazing opportunity. Kudos to you and the rest of the staff and Dr. Torgett. It's an amazing opportunity and I hear it's filling up pretty quickly. 
That is correct. So at the time that we're recording this episode, I think there are about only 10 spots left, believe it or not. We've had a few people come in this morning after our info session to sign up. So we encourage people to sign up as soon as possible. But one thing that we are also going to do is take a wait list. So even once the trip fills, we will continue to take people's names. And so don't be discouraged if you see a notice come out that the trip is full. Uh, If you're still interested in going, please let us know. Give us your name and your phone number because life happens and we never know when somebody who signed up might not be able to go. As soon as they let us know that they are no longer able to go, we're going to reach out to people on the wait list in the order that they've contacted us and offer that spot to the next person in line. So it is filling up fast. We would definitely encourage you to sign up quickly if you haven't already. But again, if if you do hear that the trip has filled, please don't hesitate to add your name to the wait list. Right, because there is a cancellation date. Isn't there with people that if something comes up and you can't make the trip, you can cancel by a certain day? That is correct. The way we're taking reservations is that we have a form that you bring into our office. We're doing it all in person. We're not doing anything by mail. And so a deposit of $500 is due at the moment that you submit your reservation form. And then the remaining balance is due by May 2nd. But in between that, we do have a refunds deadline of April 1st. So if you let us know that you're not going to be able to go on the trip by April 1st, any fees that you've paid, whether it's just the deposit or if you've paid part of your remaining balance or the whole balance, um, we will refund that up to April 1st. Uh, we will still obviously take cancellations if, if you're no longer able to go after that date, but April 1st is the date to let us know that you aren't going to be able to, to attend so that you can get a refund. And just to repeat, in case someone would happen to be looking at their watch or their phone while you said it, everyone who registers must come into the Ali office to give the money for the trip, not send it in or say, sign me up and I'll pay for it later. Is that, that correct? That is correct. Okay. And, and we kind of anticipated that this trip would be popular. Uh, it's been more popular than we even anticipated, but we're hopeful that that will alleviate some of the issues that might have come up if somebody's check is in the mail, and but another person is in our office and who gets first claim. So please come to our office on 1716 Scripture Street in Denton. We'd be happy to assist you during our business hours, which are 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. And we're, we are closed on holidays that the university observes. Now, if someone wants to read more about this trip or listen to more about this trip or to send the information to someone else, what should they do? All the information that we've prepared is available on our website. So if people go to ollie.unt.edu slash revroad, R-E-V-R-O-A-D, we've got all the information about the trip on that page including our trip brochure, which includes a a pretty detailed itinerary, some of our policies related to the trip, as well as a reservation form that you can print and and fill out and bring to our office. And I will also note that the beautiful photo on the cover of our trip brochure was taken by our host. So we really appreciate that. It looks great. Thank uh, you. All the information you can find on our website, as well as the recording of our information session, which we just held in our office. And so you just heard Dr. Torget talk a lot about the trip on this podcast, but you can also see him give an extended explanation of the itinerary if you want to watch that information session, which is on our website as well. Wonderful trip, good information. And I encourage everyone to sign up as quickly as they can. Thank you so much. Thank you, Susan. This has been Susan Supex speaking at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute at the University of North Texas with Dr. Andrew Torget on the trip of a lifetime 
Ollie's Revolutionary Road, tracing the landscape of the Texas Revolution, as well as Jordan Williams, Senior Communications Specialist at Ollie at UNT. Thanks for listening. The Ollie at UNT podcast is recorded and edited by Susan Supak and produced by me, Jordan Williams. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our previous interviews and subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. To receive email notifications about each new episode, join our email list at olli.unt.edu slash podcast. 